Part three of session 78. Let's talk here about the purpose of creation, evolution, cosmology. Let's begin. So far, session 78 has proven to be very productive in terms of the material it has and all the information that we can use to understand a little bit more how these dynamics work. So uh, we discuss a lot of archetypical minds, especially matrix and potentiator. I think we left the conversation at, up to that point in question 20. So I, I ended there because the next question, although it's related, it veers the conversation in a different way. So there's, uh, there's not much to, uh, to remember or to recap. And it seems like I will definitely do this in four parts. So let's get into the next 10 questions or so. Let's see how far we can get and then leave the last one for uh, whatever's left. So again, I don't think there's much to recap. So let's go straight into the first question that I have from Don in this new video. And that is question 21, where Don says, you stated previously that the choice that is made in this density, third density is the axis upon which the creation turns. Could you expand on your reason for making that statement? Ross simply says, this is a statement of the nature of creation as we speak to you. Uh, Don is going to ask further and says, I did not understand that. Could you say that in a different way? Ross says, as you have noted, the creation of which your logos is a part is a protean entity which grows and learns upon a macrocosmic scale. The logos is not a part of time. All that is learned from experience is an octave. In an octave is therefore the harvest of that logos and is further the nature of that Logos. The original Logos experience was viewed in space-time small. It's experienced now more. Therefore, we say, as we now speak to you at this space-time, the nature of creation is as we have described. This does not deny the process by which this nature has been achieved, but merely ratifies the product. So this is pretty dense, I have to say. Um, how how do we untangle this? Um, so let, let's go back to Don's question. We have to start there. Don said he wanted to know why the choice was the axis upon which the creation turns, right? Why is it so important? And, and Ra's answer is very deep and, uh, and yet it doesn't mention really the reason why the choice is is that important but we can um surmise a couple of things right so let's do that first ra's answer is uh, the creation of which your logos is a part so our sun is a protein entity protein means um uh, changing um but morphing in the sense that is i wouldn't call it evolving 
especially because in our language evolve evolution means better than um, but you can call it evolution in the sense that if you take away the, the reason that you know we humans are the best and certain animals are less than others and so on uh, what you see evolution is simply a morphing you know a changing a transformation right for no purpose at all I mean you cannot say that one thing is better than the other there's just components you know the liver can be better than the heart and uh, the intestines uh, less than the brain or better now you know if you follow nutrition you would feel that uh, the intestines are now the brain the real brain <laughs> right so all of these things are part of one single entity and it's changing uh, so in the same way that that's what protein means then so it's a it's an entity it's a protein entity changing ever changing which grows and learns upon a macrocosmic scale and that's a big thing right there because we in our human mind human minds tend to uh, believe that we are encapsulated you know our minds are capsules and um, we when we when we see the nature of reality we see that no, actually, uh, our minds are simply what we are. The conscious mind is only that um, that which is perceived, that which is coming out. See, so the conscious mind seems limited, and that's why we think we're encapsulated in there. You know, and our memories are all supposed to be in a database that only we are privy of, and so on. This is not true, you know, every, everything that we have is really the universe. What we think is the universe thoughts. We don't think our thoughts. That's why we can't find where did the thought, uh, thought comes from. You ever ask that question to yourself? Where do my thoughts come from? Where do my speech come from? You see, all of these things, when you really go down to it, you cannot say, you know, that it's coming from a specific place. You cannot point at it. I mean, you can say it's you, but that's it. So, uh, or all our thoughts, everything is coming out of the universe. So, why am I saying this? Because Ra says that this entity grows and learns upon a macrocosmic scale. This macrocosmic scale is, to me, obviously, the universe, which is evolving. And everything that is happening, and you can see this as a sort of, um, I don't want to use the the analogy of the iceberg, but do I have anything else? Uh, the ocean, maybe? So the surface of the ocean, the ocean, which is us, you know, little waves and ripples in the water. Um, we think like, oh, I'm unique, but all of this is really the moving of the ocean. It owes, the ripples owe its existence to the moving of the ocean. So in the same way, the movement of the whole universe, the mind, Let's equate here universe with mind, moving, right? It's an, it's an activity. The universe is an activity. So all its activity, it's influencing uh, in different layers. You can call them densities if you want, all the way up to the top of the surface. The surface is us humans. You can see that we are, you know, the, what's the purpose of, of uh, consciousness is to be aware of itself, right? So we are aware of that which is the universe. I, I am aware of the universe. I am aware of myself. <laughs> That's it. Um, so it's, it's uh, I kind of deviated a little bit there, but 
The point is that it's uh, the Logos is growing at a, at a mass macrocosmic scale. And this is, I mean, if you want to go to to the, ex not the extremes, but to the extent of the cosmology of the law of one, you can see that every sun is contributing with its experience into the bigger picture, into the bigger logos, right? The, the grand, um, um, what's it called? The grand central sun, right? That's what we call it. So that's the one that is ultimately changing completely. Now, the Logos is not part of time, right? All that is learned from experience in an octave is therefore the harvest of that Logos and is further the nature of that Logos. So the Logos is not part of time, right? It's not an entity that is, is living and going through changes because of experience within itself, meaning um, within the densities, it's just moving um, in experience as a collective, right? It's just it's just morphing. At least that's the way I see it. Uh, the Logos is not a part of time. All that is learned from experience in an octave is the harvest of that Logos. So let me let me take it out of uh, esoteric land here. <laughs> you are not part of time. Did you know that? Right. Um, in my explanations and my teachings on, on non-duality, there is a concession that we have to make usually, and that is to treat you as a finite being. So you can see your infinite quality, your infinite nature. Let me explain that. Um, when we say bring presence to your experience, you see, this is a concession to the finite self that thinks, oh, I can bring presence. That's okay. We all have an idea, a thought, uh, an image of ourselves that is limited. So we kind of do a concession to that. That's the language that we use. And this is why sometimes you would see a non-duality, uh, especially in teachings. That's why it's so important to uh, maintain yourself with one language. Whoever that is that speaks until you begin to connect all these things and you start doing it yourself and then, you know, bye-bye teachers, I don't need you. You can do your own thing. Um, but at, up to a point, you need to follow a specific language. Otherwise you get confused because um, you would say like, well, but you said it was an illusion and then you said it was real. That's a contradictory statement. Um, now, in this case, um, you have to understand that there is a concession because people say, listen, I feel limited. And so you say, all right, I'll talk to you as a limited person so I can bring you to your nature. Uh, why am I saying all of this? Because I just said that you are not part of time. You, the real you. And so we do the concession of saying, um, yeah, you are, uh, you're living and this is going to happen and all of this, but when you go down to the bottom of yourself or to the nature of who you are, to that essence, you realize that no, uh, time actually comes out of me. Actually, time exists within me, you see? Just like space. Space is um, fabricated within me. So I am the source of space and time. So I am not a part of time. 
events are part of time, experiences are part of time, perceptions and so on. All those things are part of time. They're part of the, the, the blueprint for you to experience yourself. But you yourself are not part of time. Now, in the same way, you see, if you take logos and you put yourself there, then you see that what Ra is saying is you are not a part of time. All that is learned from experience in an octave, which is in, in your life, <laughs> therefore, um, is the harvest of yourself and is further the nature of yourself. Now, why did I substitute logos for you? Because you are a logos too. So if I am right, or if Ra is right, then I should be able to substitute you as logos in the whole raw material. And you see, it makes sense. Um, but again, we are confused with our image, with what we are projecting as ourselves, and that is limited. That is the concession that we do with people and what I was talking about. So, Ra continues and says the original Logos experience, uh, the experience of the original Logos was viewed in space-time small. Uh, that's why the choice comes here to play. Why? Because the original Logos experience was without a veil, so no choice. Everything was plain in its, uh, in its view. Viewed in space-time, small, okay, so not enough. It's experienced now, after the veil, more. I love how Ross speaks. <laughs> the original Logos, the original Logos experience was viewed in space-time, small. It's experienced now, more. <laughs> oh, you gotta love him. Therefore, we say, as we now speak to you at this space-time, the nature of creation is as we have described. Um, right, so the nature of creation right now after the veil is as they have described, is rich. This does not deny the process by which this nature has been achieved, but merely ratifies the product. I, I read here that this does not deny the process that went before creating the veil, um, but actually ratifies its, uh, its product, the product of no veil, right? So we first experience a very dull uh, life as no veil and oh, everything's known, everything's fine. Oh, look, you are the creator, I am you. Uh, I don't wanna engage with you because I'm engaging with myself, so I would just rather be here. It is a very dull experience, I can imagine. But now we have this vivid, oh, such a vivid imagination. <laughs> the law of one makes you enjoy reality from a metaphysical point of view that is unparalleled to me. But let's move on. Question 23. Uh, please bear in mind that the answer to this question is no, <laughs> as you would see. So Don says, after third density, in our experience, social, social memory complexes are polarized positively and negatively. Is the interaction between social memory complexes of opposite polarity equivalent, but on a magnified scale to the interaction between mind-body-spirit complexes of opposite polarity? Is this how experiences gain as a function of polarity, difference at the fourth and fifth density? Ra says, no. I may be getting ahead of myself because I don't know what 
comes next probably done as uh, asking more clarification of this but I think if I read Don's question right he wants to know if just like we interact uh, between polar opposites here in third density is the same in fourth fifth and so on but on a magnified scale and the answer is no we know that the work in fourth fifth and sixth density is uh, completely different in even within fourth fifth and sixth density the work is different you have to have a different experience you can't have the same experience that would be kind of dull again uh, so I think that's what Don asked right a magnifying scale of the interaction of mind body spirit yeah but related after third density right yeah is this how experiences gain as a function of polarity no that's not how experiences gain in the higher densities so let's read what Don says next. This is a hard question to uh, just to ask, but what is the function or what is the value experientially of the formation of positive and negative social memory complexes of the separation of the polarities at that point, rather than the allowing for the mixing of mind-body-spirit complexes of opposite polarity at the higher densities? Ross says, the purpose of polarity is to develop the potential to do work. This is the great characteristic of those, shall we say, experiments, which have evolved since the concept of the choice was appreciated. Work is done far more efficiently and with greater purity, intensity, and variety by the voluntary searching of mind-body-spirit complexes for the lessons of third and fourth densities. Okay, it seems really packed, actually, this answer. <laughs> but what isn't within the law of one, right? So Ross says that, um, first, Don wants to know specifically here, where am I going? So he wants to know the function or what is the value experientially, right? In experience to form positive and negative social memory complexes. All right, so we form social memory complexes of positive and negative. What is the value of uh, experientially uh, of this separation of polarities at that point, rather than allowing for the mixing of mind-body-spirit complexes of opposite polarities? I mean, this happens already at sixth density. So Don is talking about sixth density. This happens at sixth density. At some point, all needs to be reunited. But Ra explains that the purpose of polarity, right, third density, is to develop the potential to do work. So that's the choice, right? Um, just to put into context, because maybe I've just been flying through all of this. Uh, so consciousness arises and it becomes self-aware, right? I, I just went through first and second density really fast consciousness arises moves and it becomes aware of itself that's third density and so in the conditions that we are right now the veil condition we perceive um, ourselves as separate completely separate and so choice is um, choice is the choice <laughs> choice is the the selection here 
Now, what is the choice? Well, we're going to polarize either positively or negatively. So we either recognize the rules of the game and say, ah, I see, we're all one self and everything here is just deceiving me. Uh, but how do I know that? How do I really know that? Well, that's the challenge for every one of us. How do I truly know it? Some people find it through religion, others through practices, others through, uh, you know, just, that's why we have all kinds of yogas. The Hindus have been doing this for thousands of years, but it gets muddied again. <laughs> See, the veil is so thick that it creates this confusion again. The law of confusion playing, um, doing overtime. I think that's a joke that Don made at some point. <laughs> it's been working overtime here. Um, so yeah, that's why we have different yogas. We have different approaches to, uh, to this choice. How do we do it? I mean, I'm talking about positive polarity. And then there is the negative polarity, which sees itself as completely separate and potentiates that which is not. That's what Ra says. So that is the choice. Now, what is the purpose of the choice to create, um, what, what did Ross say? Potential to do work, right? So this potential is going to be developed in the higher densities, right? You do work as a an entity of unity or you do work as an entity of separation, period. That's it, so simple. This is the great characteristic of those experiments which have evolved since the concept of the choice was appreciated. So the experience has developed to be this uh, this work in consciousness through polarity in the higher densities. Work is done far more efficiently and with greater purity, intensity, and variety by the voluntary searching of mind-body-spirit complexes for the lessons of third and fourth densities. So that's why third density is so important. I would think that fourth density is at the beginning stages. Once uh, polarity has been gained rapidly at the beginning stages of four density uh, then then you can move on to the lessons of four density which are love and understanding just this interaction the service to others from that point of view uh, i can go on to explain this but i i need to keep this to <laughs> four parts otherwise i'll just keep going and going ah but i can think so many things here I feel tempted to continue. What do I do? What do you think? Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> um, so why did I say that? Why did I say that the lessons of third and fourth densities uh, or polarization runs even in the early stages of uh, fourth density? Because if you see, there is a 51% graduation sort of threshold for entities to um, contribute to the next uh, density and so anybody who is at 51 or I would say 97% I think it's the, the limit not the limit but the requirement in four density um, and I can keep going with this I probably should <laughs> so okay 97 let's just keep speak about numbers so that means that in the early stages as the veil is removed polarity is increased uh, thanks to the choice, polarity has increased dramatically in the initial stages. I don't know how fast it, uh, that happens in our time measurements, 
but it does happen. This is something that Ra has explained in the past, and I've talked about this. But yeah, polarity is increased uh, in the early stages of four-density fast, reaching a point of 97% and then forming a social memory complex as it is destined to be, you may say. So that's why I said that. Anyhow, uh, let's go on. Uh, did I read that part already? The action of fifth density. Do you, however, viewed? Okay, no, I haven't. Let's let's read this. Maybe, maybe I read it. Let's reread it again. What the heck? The action of fifth density is viewed in space-time the same with or without polarity. However, viewed in time-space, the experience the experiences of wisdom are greatly enlarged and deepened, due again to the voluntary nature of polarized mind-body-spirit action. I just noticed that it. I haven't read this. <laughs> All right, so the action of fifth density is viewed in space-time the same or without, with or without polarity. It's an interesting thing. However, viewed in, in time-space, the experiences of wisdom are greatly enlarged and deepened due to the voluntary nature of polarized mind-body-spirit action. Okay, I need to, I need to think about this one. Okay, so one thing that comes to mind um, is that fifth density, if you remember, does not require a social memory complex. This means that we have, or entities have freedom of choice to develop wisdom uh, individually and also within the social memory complex. Uh, fifth density is one of synthesizing the experience of love and understanding right in a more cohesive way the way i see it um, so the action of fifth density is the same with or without polarity right i suppose the polarity here yeah i'm not sure i don't know i don't know if i can if I can say much about this without speculating too much. However, view in time space, the experiences of wisdom are greatly enlarged and deepened due to the voluntary nature of polarized mind-body-spirit action. The only thing that comes to mind is that that is um, the work. See, they don't say polarization. There's no more polarization here. Maybe that's the key. See that there, there is no further polarization in, uh, in, in fifth density because you have already polarized yourself to the maximum degree. This is why uh, perhaps it's not needed, you know, for you to, uh, for you as if you are an independent en entity. But what the mind-body-spirit complex—it's not even a complex anymore because a mind-body-spirit is, is not under the veil anymore. So the mind-body-spirit action, right, the voluntary nature of polarized mind-body-spirit uh, action can be enlarged and deepened in time-space. Yeah, I, I, I can try to speculate a couple of things, but I don't want to confuse more things. So, hey, how about we leave this for homework? Let's do that. <laughs> Let's move on to question 25. 
Don says, then you are saying as a result of the polarization in consciousness that has occurred later in the galactic evolution, that the experiences are much more, shall I say, profound or deeper along the two paths. Are these experiences independent of the other path or must there be action across the potentiated difference between the positive and negative polarity? Independent, right? Or is it possible to have this experience simply because of the single polarity? This is difficult to ask. Ra says, we would agree. We shall attempt to pluck the gist of your query from the surrounding verbiage. The fourth and fifth densities are quite independent and positive. The po Let me reread that. The fourth and fifth densities are quite independent. The positive polarity functioning with no need of negative and vice versa. It is to be noted that in attempting to sway third-density mind-body-spirit complexes in choosing polarity, there evolves a good bit of interaction between the two polarities. Ah, good point. So, uh, I hope they talk about fifth density so we can get a little bit more clarity on the last answer, which I feel that I didn't, I didn't do honor to, to what Ra explained there. But all right. Let's see what Ra has for us here. I think Don is still... Tr he's trying to know how there is this interaction between negative and positive in other densities. And it seems like it's not needed. Um, it also seems like the interaction is definitely in fourth density. I'll get to that. But the interaction keeps going into third density. So there's a lot of focus in third density. There's very little interaction between fourth and fifth density between polarities. Um, but that's Don's questions, right? Galactic experience, uh, deeper, two paths, right? Yes, two paths, this experience independent. Or must there be action across between positive? Or is it possible to have this experience simply because of the single polarity? Yeah, it's um, Don's question is very. Uh, yeah, he's asking a lot of questions, but Ra got the gist of it, I think, or at least goes into the interaction of these two. Right. So that's why they say. The fourth and fifth densities are quite independent because the positive polarity doesn't need the negative and the negative doesn't need the positive. Right. How do they continue to do work? Well, in fourth density, this is what I wanted to expand on. And that's what Ross says. Um, first, let me explain myself. You see, fourth density positive, what it attempts to do is to bring the uh, those who need service, right? Those who need service in third density who are doing a call for for this for this help then they serve them with uh their love and light right that's what they they provide and the negative ones do the same only that their love and light is to service the self but they do basically the same thing in other words both of them are trying to help the third density um other selves Right? One is trying to help, the other one is trying to manipulate. That's the game. 
I would like to see what, yeah, the fourth and fifth densities, okay, they're quite independent. Now, Ross says, it is, this is why they say, it is to be noted that in attempting to sway third density mind-body-spirit complexes in choosing polarity, there evolves a good bit of interaction between the two polarities. So it's not like fourth density positive social memory complex uh, interacts with fourth density social memory complex positive and negative, right? In fact, Ra has uh, spoken about this, saying that whenever they interact, they both lose polarity. Why? Because the positive is trying to um, give love and acceptance, which is not accepted by the negative. And the negative is trying to manipulate the positive, which simply says, no, thank you, but I love you. And so there is, there is, uh, there is no communication. Let's just put it that way. There is no communication there. And so they both lose polarity because uh, one feels that, oh, I couldn't help them. And the other one says, damn it, I couldn't manipulate them. You see, so there is a sort of frustration that grows <laughs> and there's a loss of polarity. Ah, oh, this is beautiful. I love it. Um, however, there is indeed a sort of interaction between fourth density positive to third density mixed. Let's call it that way or... Uh, right, because that's where um, you can reject the aid of your angels, if you want to call it this way. And so uh, there is an interaction of negative and positive there. Now, I'm not sure how much that affects them uh, or us, but that's, that's definitely an interaction that happens. So that's what Ra is explaining there. There is an interaction between fourth and third density, but not between fourth and fourth density. And when it happens, fourth, fourth, positive, negative, then there is a loss of polarity. Let's keep reading. Hopefully they say something about fifth density. In sixth density, the density of unity, the positive and negative paths must needs take in each other, for all now must be seen as love light and light love. This is not difficult for the positive polarity, which sends love and light to all other selves. It is difficult enough for service to self polarized entities that at some point the negative polarity is abandoned. So this makes sense. Oh, no fifth density explanation of how they work with polarity. Um, again, this keeps what keeps coming to me, believe me, I'm still thinking about that answer, is that yes, in fifth density, there is no need for others to do work because when there is no need for uh, for polarity, right? There is no need for interaction of polarity or gaining polarity, then all you're doing is working with what you have already. And so you can do this. Uh, in fact, let me put it this way. I am involved with a lot of the, the non-dual community, you see? And so in non-dual communities, there is this uh, sort of dilemma. Let me use the word dilemma here, although it's not proper for this. But yeah, do you really need a community or a group or a sangha, whatever it, you know it is? You you get into groups and you need a teacher and you need peers and all of this stuff. Uh, no, it can be helpful, but you don't need it. I certainly uh, didn't. I 
kind of had my own gradual independent uh, awakening. Uh, but I can say that, yes, you know, in a way, I mean, it's not like I am independent. I didn't need anything. It was that I didn't need the social memory complex, the group, the tribe, as much as I talked about that during my, my process. Um, I didn't need them physically. And so I think that's the thing with fifth density, that you don't need to do this work to internalize that which you are. You don't need the group. But it is helpful, of course, and that's why historically we have been creating these uh, these groups. And again, this is not a case against or for them. It's just explaining that this type of work relates to fifth density in this case, whereas fourth density is still going outward. This is the martyr's work of going and uh, giving yourself to others. That's That's learning the lessons of love and understanding. So eventually in fifth density, you go back and say, oh, what do I do with all of this magnificent database that I have um, compiled within my, my mind-body-spirit complex? Beautiful. Okay, so Ra does say that in sixth density, the density of unity, the positive and negative path must needs take in each other. So this is easy for the positive polarity but it's quite difficult for the service to self or negative polarity. Um, why? Why does it have to be hard for some and easy for others? Well, that's simple. Because in the positive polarity, you are already, I mean, you have known this. Uh, your faith and your will has been going against the illusion. You see, that's, that. it's just, this philosophy is so beautiful, so, so beautiful, because what I'm seeing is, uh, allow me a moment, please. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yes, uh, the law of one states that we are all one. Okay, let's go back to that. The law of one states that we are all one. However, it is completely understandable that from our perspective here as humans, we don't see that. The law of one explains, or at least Ra explains, that this is due to a veiling which prevents us from seeing the truth, our nature. And so as a positive being, you are literally going against the veil. You're saying, I'm sorry, I just don't believe this, then we're separate. I am sorry, but I don't believe I am competitive. I'm sorry, but I don't believe I am less than you. I'm sorry, but I don't believe I'm superior than others, and so on. So all of these are the catalyst for growth, and the growth or evolution is just returning back to source. In non-duality, uh, this is seen as you are the self. You are the only thing that exists. When you get this, you cannot see separation anymore, right? You go out in the world and you see, what I see is myself. I don't see other people. I only see myself. This is the process of releasing the egoic or identification with the image of the self 
this is also the constant recognition that what you are is not a moving thing what you are is the present uh, the presence of the moving things and those moving things is you even other people is you or are you <laughs> you see so it merges beautiful I love this that's why my my love for the law of one and non-duality is just it's one <laughs> it is so um, yes that that is the path that's why it's easy because okay so bringing it back to uh, cosmology within the law of one as we go in through the densities and more and more of this uh, illusion now it's not just the veil in third density there is still an illusion of separation in higher densities um, why do I say this because you're not uh, you're still you're still believing you know you are social memory complex you are you know one of the um, what are they called tripulants is that a word in English um, Ah, oh, whatever. Never mind. <laughs> um, one of the crew members. There we go. Crew. Uh, one of the crew members of a galactic fleet. Uh, you're maybe one of the Council of the Nine or whatever it is. As long as you have an identity, you're still within the illusion of separation. That doesn't mean that you are living like in third density. In third density, the illusion deepens. That's why if, if you don't believe what I'm saying, that this is all an illusion anyways, uh, remember when Ra says, in your illusion, you see, they know that there are different illusions. In our illusion, the veil is, um, it's not the veil, well, the veil is the veil in our illusion. The illusion is very real. The illusion is very thick. That's why we perceive separation so, so vividly. Um, and we ignore, we are confused. We, we can see the connectiveness unless you take on the positive path. And the positive path, you start releasing this separation. Okay, so that's why it's so easy for the positive path and so difficult for the negative. Now, why? Because the negative in third density said, I am this uh, being, this beautiful being, pure, perfect. It does see himself as the creator, but it doesn't release itself as everything. And so it grows in the densities, uh, potentiating that image of itself. So in sixth density, it's very hard to let go. That's why, <laughs> please let go here in third density. Let go of control. Okay, so the negative polarity is abandoned in sixth density. Man, I can go on with this. It is, all right, let's, let's move on. Question 26, kind of long one here. Uh, Don says, the choice of polarity being the unique circumstance, shall I say, for the archetypical basis for the evolution of consciousness in our particular experience indicates to me that we have arrived through a long process of the creator knowing itself. We have arrived at a position of present, of present or maximum efficiency for the design of a process of experience. I wouldn't say that. He continues on and says that design for maximum efficiency is in the roots of consciousness and is the archetypical mind and is a product of everything that has gone before. Actually, I agree with this now. There are unquestionably relatively 
pure archetypical concepts for the seven concepts of mind, body, and spirit. I feel that the language that we have for these is somewhat inadequate. However, we will continue to attempt to understand, and that is a poor word also, understanding is not of this density, the foundation for this, and I am hoping that I have laid the foundation with some degree of accuracy in attempting to set a background for the development of the archetypes of our logos. Have I left out anything of, or made any errors, or could you make any comments on my attempt to lay a background for the construction that our logos use for the archetypes? And Ron says, your queries are thoughtful. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I see humor in Ron sometimes. I do. <laughs> uh, yeah, sometimes... I have to confess, sometimes I feel that people may be offended if I answer in <laughs> this way. Uh, but I, I sometimes do, and I, I feel that... Um, it is necessary for us to sometimes give an answer like this to um, such long explanations. I mean, I'm not picking on, on anybody here, but I'm just um, highlighting that we sometimes uh, speak our minds before asking a real question, you know? And that's why it's important to uh, synthesize the question and, and, and I get people uh, sending me, they're not really questions, they're just statements about reality. And I have very little to say, you know. Um, I remember somebody on Instagram sent me paragraphs. I, for the time being, I still read everything that people send me. Uh, sometimes I just don't have an answer and I hope silence, <laughs> it's, it's enough. Um, but yeah, you know, sometimes there are very thoughtful questions and only, you know, two lines and very well synthesized. Sometimes it's just 10, I'm not kidding, 10, 10 paragraphs or longer um, telling me about their experience and what they think and give me, and then asking me, you know, do you have any opinions on this? I just say, no, you know, that's, that's you. I have no opinions. I mean, I can't, I can't start a conversation out of that. So, you see, that's why, that's why I think Ra's answer is funny here. When the, they just say, because Don went on really long here, talking about the background of his reasoning about how um, everything has evolved and now there is a maximum efficient of experience based on the archetype. I kind of didn't agree at the beginning because it seems like it's the, we have achieved maximum uh, capacity of, uh, of efficiency, right? Maximum efficiency. Uh, maximum efficiency at present. That's what I disagreed at the beginning, right? When he said, we have arrived at a position of present or maximum ex efficiency. See, but I do agree that at present, we are at maximum efficiency. How do we say that we're at maximum efficiency? Only by looking at the past. You see, we cannot say, oh, we, are, we, we have been declining. No, this is the maximum efficiency based on our past. So if we destroy ourselves, right, in the concept of the, uh, the apocalyptic nuclear 
catastrophe and so on. Um, the fallout phenomenon. Could we say that we have regressed? No, we are at present in that fallout event at maximum efficiency of our past. You see, this is the result of it. Hooray. No, if we look back and we say, oh, but we should have been this and that, then we're failing. You know, we're failing. We're not living in the present. The present is it's what is, you know, and hooray for that. Let's celebrate it. But if, if we do go back, that, that's the thing. And I think that's what's implied here subtly in Dunn's uh, assessment here. When he says, I feel that language... Oh, I'm sorry. That, that's not the one I was looking for. Uh, we have arrived at a position of present or maximum efficiency for the design of a process of experience. No, it is true that we are at maximum efficiency always in the present. That is true. So maximum efficiency prior to the veil was that. Great. Then we had an idea. Oh, creative. So we did that. Uh, likewise, in the event of a fallout <laughs> uh, catastrophe, hey, we, uh, we, have <laughs> we creatively designed all these bombs because, you know, they are red and we're blue. And, you know, they are evil and I'm good. <laughs> so and so on. Uh, so... Let's bomb them. Let's see what happens. We forget that this is not serious. I, 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 people sometimes have issues with this. This is not a serious reality. Only when seen from the separate self. Oh my God, nuclear bombs. Yeah, nuclear bombs. I mean, I agree with that. Yes, we once we see our true nature, we say like, okay, this is nonsense. Let's not do this. <laughs> Please, let's not do this. Let's just, let's just have fun, dance, and you know. Uh, eat and have sex and what humans do let's just do that and learn from that not from fighting with sticks and bombs and so on so <laughs> that's um yeah but you know we cannot say we cannot be so full of ourselves and say oh you know we should be dancing and laughing no if we want to fight let them fight you know let people do what they want to do can I get away with one more uh, example? When you see people fighting, um, would you want to get in the middle and say, no, love each other, hug, no punches. <laughs> You're going to get punched in your face or somewhere else. Might not be nice or even worse. They might be even, you know, they might even um, ally themselves against you. Why did you get in, in the way? Just let them be. Uh, I remember being involved in in a group in a group was it no two people were fighting um, and actually no they were about to fight and my friend who was uh, a retired NYPD um, we're all co-workers we're working together and this uh, my friend the the ex ex policeman tells me like let him fight let them fight. Let them let them get let them get it out of their system. Let them do that. You know, if you intervene and you say no, 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 all you know, flowers and love and all this stuff, they'll still resent each other. So just let them fight. Let them get at it. Vent them out. So don't get involved. Um, by the way, my friends, Jim Jim Low, love Jim Low. By the way. Um, 
Such a wise man. Very wise. I don't know what he was doing being a police. <laughs> For 25 years. No, 20 years. I think he retired before it was 25. Um, old school cop from the 80s. Love that man. Anyhow, uh, let's move on. We have a very quick... Um, uh, so much philosophy out of this question and answer. But I'll skip it. I'll just read it. Question 27, Don says, are they accurate or have I made mistakes? Talking about his uh, long, long explanation. Ron says, there are no mistakes. <laughs> uh, so Don says, let me put it this way. Have I made missteps in my analysis of what has led to the construction of the archetypes that we experience? I don't think Ra is interested in uh, this conversation. So Ra says, we may share with you the observation that judgment is not part of interaction between mind-body-spirit complexes. We have attempted to answer each query as fully as your language and the extent of your previous information allow. May we suggest that if in perusing this present material, you have further queries refining any concept, these queries may be asked. And again, we shall attempt adequate rejoinders. <laughs> so this is a very polite way of saying, uh, chill out, man. You have made your observations. You're cool with them. If you want to expand of them, let's talk about them. See, that is raw translated into modern language. <laughs> uh, hope that sounds fine. <laughs> but that's what they said. Um, we have attempted to answer each query as fully as your language and the extent of your previous information allowed. Yeah, so relax. We have been talking about this in a very um, productive way. Let's continue that way. And yes, there are no mistakes. So uh, can I can I push one more lesson here? Because I think it's important. Um, Don's mental tension allowed him to ask this question for us to uh, to relax our minds. Why? Because what Don is depicting here is the following. I have been conjecturing all this structure, all this image, all this blueprint of reality, and I want to make sure that I have it right. You see? Intellectualization of reality. When Ra sees this, they say, um, yeah, it's nice, it's beautiful, but let's not get into mechanistic views. No, let's just discuss that which is, and you can see it your own way, right? That's, that's the beauty of, of living. We don't have to have things right. There are no right things. There are things, and we can observe them. For example, Gabe, you just said there are there are no wrong things. So I can say that I am this impermanent thing, and I am going to die. And okay, that's an opinion. That's okay, but that doesn't check with reality. See, that's another thing. That's what Ra is interested here, and that is if you want to know what I am interested in, showing, teaching, uh, explaining because I love congruency within that which is proven. You see, true science. Um, I came from being a scientist to be a philosopher to returning to be a scientist. <laughs> uh, but science in the sense that it can be proven. For example, there is no way you can prove to, my, to, 
to me that you are impermanent. There is no way. You can say all that you want, but that will not ever check with reality. So I can tell you that it's not that it's right or wrong, it's just that is uh, it's true or it is not. That's what we're interested in. You see, seekers of truth. That's another thing we use. Oh, I'm a seeker of truth. Well, let's go down to the bottom of truth. What is it? Well, everything is you. What a way. I can't be. I see other things. Okay, let's check them in your experience. Are they apart from you or are there are they in you? You see, so I'm interested in the truth. And the truth is not something that I, you know, I bought it from a book or from a philosophy or somewhere. It's something that can be proven right now. And I love this. This is the core of philosophy, true philosophy. But we got lost in intellectualism. So when we get into constructs of reality, this happens. When we get into, I am the wonderer, so uh, I need to find my mission. So I need to contact the Confederation. And they need to tell me if I am from 5th, 4th or 6th density. Because you're buying into a whole story that is just deviating you from the main purpose of reality, which is just enjoying yourself happy. Now, if you are happy and you are indulging in all this exploration, that's a different story. But you have to be honest. Am I happy? Am I seeking with happiness or am I seeking with scarcity? Big, honest, brutal question that you can ask yourself every single day in any of your actions, even brushing your teeth. Are you brushing your teeth because you're, you're happy to brush your teeth? Or are you brushing your teeth because you're scared of cavities? <laughs> My God, cavities, they will get me. Anyhow, so yeah, let's cover one more question and we're done for today. Question 29, Don says, I understand your limitations in answering that. Thank you. Could you tell me? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm sorry, I had to laugh at that. Yes, uh, could you tell me how in first density, wind and fire teach earth and water? Uh, should have left this for the next video, but let's let's just keep going. Ross says, you may see the air and fire of that which is chaos in as literally illuminating uh, and forming the formless. I think Ra made a mistake there. We'll talk about that. Let me reread. You may see the air and fire of that which is chaos as literally illuminating and forming the formless. For earth and water were, in the timeless state, unformed. As the active principles of fire and air blow and burn incandescently about that which nurtures that which is to come, the water learns to become sea, lake and river, offering the opportunity for viable life. The earth learns to be shaped, thus offering the opportunity for a viable life. I have to be honest, I think this is a very uh, poetic way of describing what we know in science as um, mm, what's it called? The primordial, it's not even the primordial soup. The primordial soup was created after this. Um, I forgot what they call it. I can't even come up with words, but yeah, that primordial state of the bombardment of the earth by meteors and all of this. I don't, I, you know, when I was a kid and I read this, I thought that the planet was already formed 
and then a lot of meteors and all their asteroids came crashing into the earth and it was all chaos and it looked like my god is hell right but the way i see it now is just that you know first density is just these elements what we know as the elements literally um Whatever belongs to air as light elements, that's air. Whatever belongs to earth, then um, that's that's what we call uh, solid elements and so on. So all of this, you know, coalescing and creating a disk, forming, and that's what fire and, er, and air. Uh, Ra initially said air and water. That's why I had the asterisk. And it was corrected to fire. But just so you know, Ra said air and water. So... You want to go with raw or you want to go with the correction up to you the correction is made because air and fire are the ones that teach water and earth according to Ra's previous statements so that's why it's corrected there by i suppose it was jim who did the correction of that which is chaos yes you see so there is a chaotic um, movement activity first of elements right as literally illuminating and forming the formless. So air and fire, this movement, fire and air are movement, right? Whereas water and earth are just solidifying matter. So the movement moves the matter until the point in which it shapes the earth and shapes the oceans and rivers and so on. Um, so that's, that's the formation of first density. That is the evolution of first density into second density. So I started with a primordial soup. That is the, uh, the beginning stages of second density where organic molecules are dancing around in the water, um, suddenly compelled to move towards the light and uh, accumulating other molecules of a similar shape and you know this this game of life begins as we call it life in second density and so it moves on and that's the cosmology of the law of one that is one of the missing links which i recently talked uh with my friend um who invited me to his podcast uh michael mason and we discussed, I talked about this, the, the missing links of evolution, which is how did organic molecules started to move DNA and so on, and how the primates, monkeys, right, were monkeys, how do monkeys become self-aware? Well, those are the missing links. There is simply vibration, there is movement, it's a music that the Logos plays. And at some point, that music changes its rhythm. And with the rhythm, now we dance differently. And so, molecules, instead of just floating around and just being inert, they say, ah, oh, look, we can move this way. The Logos is, you know, just, they're not even thinking, they're just following the rhythm. <laughs> Gloria Stefan was right. The rhythm eventually is going to get you. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, anybody from the 80s here? Come on. Speak your mind. <laughs> uh, I love Gloria Stefan and her music. Um, I was always uh, joked upon because I like 80s music. It was very gay. And I love gay music. It's just 
beautiful. I don't know, just uh, 80s music. Yeah, who doesn't like 80s music? Come on. Anyhow, so that is the rhythm of the universe. It's, it's playing and we are part of that too. So I feel like I should be in conclusions already. So conclusions. Uh, yeah, let, let me let me just continue on with what I was saying before. Um, there is a beauty in understanding the metaphysics of consciousness. Um, I don't particularly like to get into complex models of it, but rather ratify what we know and revel in that, which means that I enjoy the cosmology when it makes sense. And it does make sense within the law of one. Uh, maybe other cosmologies make sense as well, and it's nice to study them. But the beauty here is that we understand, at least from my scientific point of view, that there is evolution happening normally. So you don't have to do anything. You see, all you have to do is enjoy. The invitation here in the human form is to be happy. That's it. If you're happy, guess what? You're evolving already. You don't have to do anything. Why would you have to do something if you're already happy? You don't have to do anything to be happy. And suddenly, everything that you're doing is coming out of love and acceptance and all of these things that you hear that you have to do. Isn't that great? All you have to be is happy. And so, the question then remains, well, how do I, how do I find happiness? Because I'm seeking happiness. And this is a wrong question. Now I mentioned in this video that the question, um, I'm sorry, the concession that we make is due to the strong belief that people have of being a separate entity. It's a very strong one. I, I remember it well. When it was, I just could not, I could not see how everything was one. I mean, conceptually, yes, intellectually, it was just great. Yes, all is one. And I keep, I kept hearing people say, oh, we're all one, we're all one, we're all one. And I guess I was frustrated with myself that I just couldn't see it. And it bothered me a lot. And I just stopped listening to people that <laughs> just said that. Um, yeah. Until I, I, I saw it. And I said, oh, <laughs> it's this simple? No way. It was always this simple. Um, so this concession that we make is to people who are still very, very stuck in the, um, the idea that we're separate. That illusion of separation. Um, So we say, uh, you, you will achieve happiness. What you have to do is this and that, and you have to sit and meditate, and you have to get rid of your ego, and you have to do all of this. But you see, this is, this, this is um, upaya, skillful means. You have to know, you have to know what you're dealing with. So 
you do you do create these concessions. I mean, even I, I, you know me as a person who just likes going straight into the answers. No fluff, no beating around the bushes. And yet I do concessions in my teachings of the direct path because um, we're still talking to the separate self, you know? Otherwise I wouldn't be teaching this. <laughs> I wouldn't be, um, I wouldn't be doing this as a, a hobby. It's not a hobby. I don't like calling it work, playfulness. I wouldn't be playing with this. Work sounds very, ugh, work, I have to do work. It's not like that for me. I love it, I enjoy it, so I have to call it playfulness. So we do that, you know, we, we create certain scenarios and we say, yes, you're doing this, you're doing that. But the truth is that you, the real you, is not doing anything, you see? Uh, it simply is enjoying the show. Uh, and the, the best show to enjoy is the dissolution of that which it thought it was. And at that point you say, oh, you deceived me all this time. I mean, it was a clever and compassionate deceit. <laughs> uh, but even, even that is saying too much. The person should never say that because then it would be coming from the separate self saying, you deceived me. No, you didn't deceive me. You just deceived that which I thought I was. Thank you for that. Uh, but that's that. That's the essence of happiness. The essence of happiness is returning to yourself. Looking that the essence of unhappiness was the belief that you were this being, this thing that is still in constant seeking. And that's why I call it the end of seeking. Now, I have to clarify because somebody asked me, thank you, Amy, by the way, for asking that question. Um, does the end of seeking means that I, I won't do anything? No, the, that's why I call it the end of seeking and the beginning of exploration. Because when we're seeking, just like when you're looking for your keys at home, you're ignoring all places. You are focusing, you're narrowing your attention, and that's okay. But that seeking is not exploration. That seeking is like a narrow focus. You're looking at everything. See, I'm seeking, I'm looking for something. What you're looking for is this. You know, stop forcing your retina and your, um, your pupils are getting so contracted. Expand them, let them be. See, relax, enjoy accept the light that is coming all right i cannot say anything more poetic than that so that's my conclusion for today uh evolution all this that we indulge in is just a structure like don explained here and ross simply said uh oh look a bird <laughs> so beautiful that's it we're going to finish this session next time for sure because i only have 10, nine more questions, something like that. And I don't think they're very long. So we'll see. Thank you, as usual, uh, for hanging out with me and enjoying this third part of session 78. 78. We'll finish next time, like I said. I promise. Take good care of yourself. Have fun. Enjoy life. Simply enjoy what is. I'll see you in the next part of session 78.